What is going on you guys and welcome back to the video. Today's video we got a general market update for you. This is something that back in the day I used to do a lot. This is every week. I right? used to do it every <laughs> single week and it yeah. was, uh, I remember having the green screen up and uh, yeah, we called it the mm -hmm. weekly review. Uh, you guys really enjoyed it but it was it was quite, uh, quite time consuming <laughs> to do. Um, but I think infrequently it is still important to look and just look at things like uh, how the markets are performing, right? Year to date, uh, US market, Canadian market, we're gonna do an update on the interest rates, which we had some news uh, this week here, especially here in Canada. Uh, we're gonna take a look at the different sectors and where some pockets of opportunity may be, and then we're gonna be finishing off with, I believe, uh, yeah, maybe some possible um, ideas. Trade ideas. Trade ideas yeah. that we've been kind of thinking about uh, given the information that we covered today. So yeah, I think really that's the topic of today's video. It shouldn't be all too long, but um, yeah. yeah. So just be like, a, where are we? And you know, every once in a while, even though we follow the markets all the time, it's good just to do a snapshot and uh, see where we're at. So that's, you, that's you the goal do, today. You lose track. Like, you know, if you're just looking at the markets every single day, you got a feeling of where we are, but you don't, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of zoom out and well, say, hey, this is where we're at. When you worked at the firm, uh, we would do our weekly meeting and, and we we'd look to, at yeah. things like the indices and where we're at, just looking basically for opportunities. And so that's what, kind of what we're going for today, uh, different versions. Of for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, let's kick things off. Um, <clears throat> let's start with the broad, just how are the indices doing? And uh, up on the screen, basically we have a, a few different uh, performance metrics, uh, basically looking at the NASDAQ, uh, the S&P, and then the TSX. And uh, just to highlight these, we do see the NASDAQ on a year-to-date basis being the best performer, actually posting a positive gain of 8.21%. And this is filming as of, by the way, what is it today? It's the March, it March the 11th, March the 11th. So yeah, Saturday. So hopefully you guys are seeing this early in the week next week, but nevertheless, 8% gain on the NASDAQ year to date. Uh, the S&P is essentially flat uh, down at 0.58% and the TSX n a nudge above flat, but hey, positive nonetheless at 2%. Interesting with the year to date, it's been very volatile as mm. probably a lot of people have known and I think that's caused by a lot of uncertainty. I think we're going to talk briefly about the uh, collapse of the Silicon Valley oh, yeah. Bank as well. And that kind of says to me, there's just there's just so much uh, news out there. Everybody wants the good news and we're mm -hmm. seeing pops where the market's going well. Mm -hmm. We've seen a bit of a retracement Well, there. even just like, I feel like two weeks ago maybe, what is it? Two weeks ago, just uh, three weeks ago maybe it was. Um, I mean, markets were up uh, much higher than they are today and we are just starting to see that come back down. And uh, yeah, the last video today, I did rough. on uh, the 17th of February, which is in my, my, have we reached the market bottom series I've been doing Markets were looking good, and it was like maybe we're through the worst of it. Well, here we are. Mm. If we stretch this line out just to one year and kind of get a little bit more context, we can see if we look over that time, the major markets are still down over that one year time period. We've got the S&P with the best returning of our, well, the best of the worst. Yeah. So negative 8%. But if we look at, uh, for example, the NASDAQ there, I mean, it's down at almost 14% one year. And then since the market top, so I'm just going at actually back to January 1st of 2022, when we saw the slide start, you can see there, you know, we're still quite a bit into negative territory across all the indices. So, um, especially the NASDAQ there down 26%. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I think it's nice to kind of get a feel. I know everyone uses different, uh, they benchmark to different things. A lot of tech investors look at the NASDAQ. I personally look at the S&P and TSX. Mm -hmm. My portfolio is primarily uh, more geared there, more geared there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, nevertheless, good to know where we are. This is one that I really um, like looking at, Dad. And these are the various sectors. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, we've kind of screened these by, uh, first one I believe is a year to date number. Yep, absolutely. And we have the S&P 500. And why I think these charts become valuable is, you know, not always, but they can be good indi 
indications of potential pockets of opportunity. Uh, a areas that are maybe overheated and yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, also areas that are that are uh, underloved. Uh, if you do believe in this reversion to the mean, I think this is something that uh, from time to time I'll, I'll look at to just start my you know search uh, start my research on this particular area well this is something that we always did we looked at yeah. areas that were you know the sectors that have been hit hardest maybe offering opportunities yeah and like you say if they've if they've been a hot sector year to date maybe time to take a little bit of money off the table um, and i think we're going to see that as we go through these numbers here today a little bit of that so yeah so year to date uh here's the s p we do see the best performing sector is tech now again if we look over a one-year number which we uh, will uh, we'll see this come down but since January of this year, the first couple months, uh, tech has been the top mm -hmm. performer, mm -hmm. up about 8.97% as a sector. Communication services as well is doing well. On the downside, we have utilities. And again, these are American utilities, the S&P utility companies. But uh, yeah, healthcare and utilities are, are the laggards on a year-to-date number, down about 8 and 9% apiece. Now, if we flip that, Brandon, to a one-year number, so yeah. if we look, stretch that line out, so uh, we, you just mentioned, for example, uh, IT and communication services, the, the hottest sector so far this year. Yeah. Look at last year. You know, you, you see um, IT sort of in the middle of minus 8% last year, but look at communications down 23%. And this is not yeah. something, that is, this is not unusual. That's kind of what you'd expect to see, that the cyclical nature of all of these types of businesses, right? When we look at Canada, we see kind of the same. We see right now the 2023 year-to-date uh, IT leading sector, 12, you know, almost 13%. Real estate up there, just at over uh, five. And consumer staples, the worst performing. But when we look at the Canadian indices versus the U.S., mm -hmm. we're looking pretty good, actually. Mm. It's much more stable, interestingly. But if we look again at the one-year number, we look at uh, the leader being uh, energy at 10%. Up, and you'll notice that was one of the worst performing mm -hmm. last, uh, you know, over the one year time period. And then the worst performing by far um, this year so far, or over the one year rather, has, you know, healthcare at 47%, materials down 18%. And just like in the US, we've got utilities being hit pretty hard down 15% year to date. I will call out real estate as well mm -hmm. there. I mean, real estate was one that I've been eyeing and I did a video, I believe it was last week on, uh, you know, a couple stocks that I like at the moment. And, and I think realty income was uh, one of them. Mm -hmm. um, we can touch on that later towards the end. But again, these are just like starting points for potential pockets of opportunity. Again, the year to date charts that we looked at today, they're great, but I, I actually prefer to look at like a one year rolling number. That's that's yeah. bit, to me richer data. Um, like I said, especially when you're, you're if we're just over two months into the yeah, it's just yeah. not that much. It's still good to know how over the short term they've been performing. But to me, what jumps out here in the Canadian market: utilities, materials, uh, real estate down um, 15%, uh, healthcare, cannabis stocks are obviously in the healthcare. Uh, they get categorized there here in Canada, by the way. Yeah, because they're healthy. Yeah. So uh, another key driver of everything these days, of course, is interest rates, and that's been the big story. Let's look first at the Canadian markets. And if we look here, uh, just a few days ago, so on March the 8th was the most recent announcement, and uh, good news, hallelujah, probably, that the Central Bank, uh, you know, the Bank of Canada decided that it would leave rates unchanged. Now, they're still at 4.5, so they're, historically, that's not that high, but in, in you know, the last, Gee, decade plus, yeah. those, those look pretty high. I spent a lot of time there doing commentary, reading commentary online, um, the difference of opinions. And, and yeah, I came, what I came away with was, I, I think there was an expectation amongst Canadians that, hey, there's a good chance that the rate doesn't get changed. Mm -hmm. uh, it stays the same. But there's still, there's still very well, it may be room to go. And what a lot of people were saying uh, online, at least, is 
it's almost like, you know, obviously you'll see in a second, the Fed has continued and, and um, mentioned that they're going to continue Probably raising going to, rates. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's like that, do you just rip off the Band-Aid and just do it versus kind of prolong it? Yeah. That's, um, that was kind of the, the gist that some people were speaking about it. And, well, and I'm, yeah. Well, look at the markets last week. We saw the Bank of Canada hold rates steady mm -hmm. at four and a half. But the market's basically tanked. I mean, everything was down last week, it seems. So uh, let's look at this quick table here. Just as a refresher over the last year, the the, the, um, the non-raise, I guess, this past Wednesday was the first time in a year that the uh, Bank of Canada had not raised. And we can see a pretty significant increase from you know 0.25 back January last year and a year ago 0.5 all the way up to four and a half percent. So that's a that's a steep, 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 very steep incline yeah. there. The rest of the year. Uh, we have more rates coming up. The next one will be uh, not that far from now, April the 12th. And what I'm looking forward to here is not only will there be the interest rate announcement, but there's going to be the monetary policy report. And mm. you can go as deep as you want into the weeds in those reports, but it does give you more depth. As far as the U.S. goes, uh, they're basically you know similar, but they've raised the rates up to 4.75. So you know there's not a huge difference between Canada um, and the U.S. And that's typically typically what we see. Yeah, and in their most recent uh, announcement, they did take them up. So they haven't actually stopped like Canada. Let's throw this chart up on the screen here, Brandon, that shows the, what we just looked at. So that we're showing the increase. The orange line is that Fed rate going up, but the blue bar is a percentage of increase for each subsequent increase. And so we can see, you know, back in May of last year, it was a 100% increase, mm -hmm. right? And that degree of increase has has gone down and down in the coming months. So that's, I think it's positive, but like you kind of just alluded to, the money really is on more. And, and, and Powell just spoke last week mm -hmm. and the implications were that they're going to go higher. And you can see here, uh, again, a little bit of history going back to uh, the latter part of last year. And then you can see the upcoming announcements as we're going forward. So lots of uh, interesting stuff to come, I would say. It'd be lovely if by the end of the year we have that a bit of stability where we can count on some, you know, at least level yeah. or, you know, some starting to come back to what we've seen more recently as normal rates. That's what I'd hope for. I mean, mm. I mean, when you say more recently, like uh, you don't anticipate rates coming back down to where they were uh, and, you know, so close to zero. Well, you, you mean lower, you mean, what do you mean by as of recently? Yeah. I'm not predicting that. However, um, if we do go into what a lot of people are saying is a pretty strong recession coming, yeah. I mean, it's nice that they've got the interest rates where they are, so they do they, they can ratchet those back down. Because if you're starting at 0.5 and you want to use interest rates to help the economy while you're starting from too low of a point at mm -hmm. that point. So, uh, yeah, one thing... Well, we can talk about that. I mean, recession, I think we had as a topic here. Maybe very briefly, we can touch on just the, the markets. And, and clearly, as you've mentioned, the markets have been moving quite a bit. Um, up mm -hmm. and down for to the start of the year. A lot of it depended on stuff like these interest rate announcements. But one of the charts we have here is a basically just a broad PE ratio. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. If we were to just look at the broad market, and I'll anticipate this is the S and P. If we're this just is look, the uh, Schiller S and P, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if we're just looking at the uh, broad market, it, it is coming down as the markets have come down. But you know, even uh, it, it's if we still looked at a long term average or a long term <laughs> mean here, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, what, I, what jumps out at me, we, you know, a, a few years ago, it was trading at the highest it had been, yeah. right? And I remember doing some videos there and just saying, like, this is this is getting into dangerous territory. Yeah. And we've seen that come down, gyrate a little bit. But you're right, 28 right now for that, well, the current rate. And if you look back over history, 
the last time we saw that was you know Black Tuesday, and you know, I don't remember that. That was before I was born, before everybody watching this practically was born. But you know, back in the the dirty 30s, and then more recently, when we look back to uh, even uh, 87 Black Monday, you see where that <laughs> the the uh, S and P are the. Uh, P.E. ratio was then significantly lower than today. And the last time we saw it sort of uh, around this level was just back around 2000. And of course, the world was disrupted then. So I think that's one of our takeaways, which we can kind of get towards the, you know, when we do talk about the areas of opportunity, like uh, we're, although the market is down, I, I don't like seeing, uh, you know, people saying, oh, cheap, cheap, uh, you know, buying opportunity. Hey, very well could be buying opportunity yeah. and in pockets. But it's it's that misconception that a lot of newer investors have that just because things are down, that there that there's no more bottom to there's no more drops to go. I, I, I would I very, would caution against the yo yeah. I'm so happy the markets are down another five percent because I can buy more. No, yes, if you are a de like a dollar cost average investor and every week or every month you're committing money to the markets, I agree. Just let it ride. You know, assuming you own good quality assets. Yeah. But I think, like you say, there is a bit of a misconception that. I, we we could have a long way to go, and if you're a newer investor, you may not have gotten gone through mm -hmm. a period of time where you mm -hmm. really, you know, that real gut check. Yeah. And so just be cautious with that strategy, and make sure and, that when you're just you know buying more, you're buying the right assets. Right? Yeah. We haven't had this discussion at Dad. I mean, you just got into town. Um, yeah. Although we do talk virtually sometimes. Um, I was having some discussions with some of my other peers about, uh, you know, the severity of this potential recession, if there is one coming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I haven't ever lived, I've lived through, uh, you know, a previous recession, but not uh, to the point where I cared about it. Yeah. I am um, under the gut feeling, and I've been saying this for quite some time, like even mm -hmm. if you go back before, uh, like the, you know, right after COVID, I believe that we could still have a pretty severe recession that just prolongs. And that's something that we have to live with. Yeah. Um, in other words, I don't think that we're out of the woods quite yet. Uh, I know you probably have more opinions on that, but w what I mean by that is, I'm sure you, throughout, uh, you know, if you go like look back through history, you have more severe recessions, more shorter ones, Absolutely. you know, little ebbs and flows. I, I, I don't think it's, cr and again, I'm, this is just my gut feeling. Mm. I don't think it's right to think that we are out of the woods now the markets have just started to pick back up. In fact, I think recession-wise, like what I'm hunkering down for on the business side, on the personal side, is really uh, one, two potential years of, yeah. of, of trouble, if you will, in the, in, in the economic side, which again, where the stock market plays via that, um, yet to be seen. But that's kind of my my anticipation since the since day one of like COVID. Like this is gonna come back to get us. I believe that there is more pain to come. Mm. Um, whether it's the, that hard hard landing that we're kind of referring to, or whether it's a softer landing and more prolonged, um, only time will tell. Mm -hmm. This one thing I've learned from either being through them or studying recessions is you really don't know. Yeah. And there's all kinds of predictions from really really bright minds out there with teams of analysts who are try to nail it. And they don't. Only in time will will we uh, will we know, right? Um, some recent headlines, you know, we're looking at here. You're looking at um, you know uh, CNBC. They recently just said there's no exit ramp for Fed's Powell until he creates a recession. So mm -hmm. you know, being proactive that way. BNN Canada will come to a recession early in 2023. Mm. Well, we're early, we're early in 2023 yeah, we right now. The Economist, you know, this is an article I read. Why a global recession is inevitable in 2023. I think this is kind of what you're alluding to. Be prepared, mm. and if we avoid it, whether it's soft or hard, awesome. Mm. You're going to have 
money, you know, we don't advocate for anybody sort of sitting back and keeping your money all in cash, waiting for that to be over because we never know. We just crossed over, uh, well, March 9th always sticks in my head because at the end of the uh, credit crisis, it was March 9th, 20, March 9th, 2009, when that bottom was found. Of course, mm -hmm. we didn't know that for sure until sometime later. And there was all, it's kind of reminds me of now where a lot of people are, well, we're done, we've seen the bottom for sure. Other people are just, wait, you know, yeah. there's more to come. So we don't know. Uh, one thing that does sort of concern me a little bit, uh, and it's a reminder of that time period, is uh, with the uh, Silicon Valley Bank mm. implosion. I mean, 48 hours ago, it was a going concern. Concerns me a little bit. That said, as always, you got to be prepared. It's one of those things where if you, uh, if you have a portfolio built properly to meet your needs, you'll weather the storm. But uh, you ha kind of have to, kind of have to be uh, prepared for that. So don't go in blind. Fair. Well, hey, yeah. we're this video is already it looks like uh, going along. So why don't yeah. we just finish off with um, some ideas that sure. we've had personally? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start with one because sure. um, I know we talked. Well, you mentioned because this past week uh, I had bought uh, some additional high yield fixed income yeah. in in our portfolio that we have uh, on the Blossom app and. Um, my logic is this, if we look at high yield uh, bonds, fixed income, typically you're gonna get a US bond as a Canadian person here, and the yields now are sort of in that five, five and a half, six percent range, 6 so not saw, yeah. bad. But there's this perception out there that bonds are all kind of the same, and bonds are so different. Just like the sectors we looked at earlier in the S&P 500, that how they go up and down, mm -hmm. bonds have different types of bonds and different characteristics as well. One of the characteristics that has sort of proven over time is that a high yield bond portfolio will absolutely decline in value when the equity markets go, but a percentage of it, equity goes down 10, fixed income might go down five or six, somewhere in that range, mm -hmm. goes down 20, might go down 10. There's downside and we certainly saw that over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. But on the upside, once the market has actually turned, there's, there's a very close correlation of the bonds. So if you're going to have fixed income in your portfolio, in these sort of uncertain times right now, I'm leaning more personally to the high yield because you have less downside that risk than you would in a uh, an equity portfolio, but you have a pretty good recovery pretty, along the way. So it's kind of yeah. hedging your bet a little bit, not being fooled and thinking, oh, bonds are safe, you know? For sure. And I think, yeah, the six, I think the bond that we ended up bidding was offering a 6% yield, which is yeah. quite attractive, like you said, in comparison. A couple ideas on my end, you know, I mentioned looking at those sectors, just some some possible areas and I know real estate was one of them that jumped out to me. Uh, obviously I'm just reiterating what I said in that previous video, uh, but realty income was a stock I added to my uh, RRSP uh, just for my long-term retirement. And if you didn't catch that last video, I would encourage you to go back. I did a short video, so I'm not going through a whole bunch of stuff, but we looked at some ver some key highlights, how long they've been paying distributions, how long they've, this is a REIT by the way, Real Estate Investment mm -hmm. Trust. Actually the first REIT that I've purchased, we've purchased REITs in our in our corporate account together, mm -hmm. but uh, in my personal RSP, first one I, I bought and it was Congratulations. my- Congratulations. Yeah, you know, get in the real estate game, uh, yeah. if you will. But uh, as you know, I, I have enough uh, real estate exposure elsewhere yeah. outside of my, stock portfolio, hence why I thought, why double up? You know, mm -hmm. I have actual physical real estate exposure. That said, I just really liked this opportunity. And I think uh, realty income is one of the, uh, 
you know, top tier REITs out there, it is American. Uh, again, I think that's actually quite suitable for my RSP, but that I think is a definite one to look at. Uh, great yield and great sustainability. I think what I've personally been looking at with this collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, on Blossom, for example, I was on there, I'm on there every day. But uh, <laughs> last week, like Friday, whatever it was when it happened, everyone's buying the dip on TDB Mo, taking advantage yeah, yeah, of yeah. the Canadian banks yeah, that yeah. saw a big dip because yeah. I mean that there was a ripple effect. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And I'll say this, I didn't uh, immediately pull the trigger because what you said there, dad, about the potential for, for comings um, yeah. and potential domino effects. I mean, Hey, I don't, I haven't taken the time to look at how much, uh, I mean, I've watched a, a number of videos yeah, and, yeah. and done a bit of reading on the Silicon Valley Bank, and it is truly fascinating how many companies are are actually uh, exposed to this, and yeah. especially the tech and healthcare companies. Um, it's wild, uh, really. I don't know how that translates over to the Canadian banks, mm -hmm. right? And again, I don't want to jump the gun and say, "Well, we're we're in the clear." If I had to lean one way, I'd want to hope that we are. I think, uh, you know, we speak about it time and time again that Canada has this, these premier banks in the world and mm -hmm. that they are, uh, even if you look at, um, one of the things we look at, even when we're looking between TD, Royal Bank, BMO is, for example, their exposure to, you know, the real estate market or mortgages, for example. Yeah, and, yeah. Different and sectors. Different yeah. sectors, yeah. like where, they, where their um, exposure is. And just from the top of my mind, it's very different than the Silicon Valley Bank, which is loading up to all these crypto, uh, you know, all these uh, startups and projects yeah. of that sort. Again, I like to think of them as different class, but I also don't want to overspeak and say, well, you're clear to go buy these. I want to do my own research and due diligence. So over the coming week, I very well may add to my TDs or my Royal Bank position, which I already thought were trading at a fair price prior to this. Um, I thought a very fair yeah. ad at this point, but this may even be more of an opportunity to say, hey, if uh, the market wants to bring them down, if that fear is there, uh, certainly an area that I will be doing my research on in the upcoming week. And just to drive home that point, the fact that a sector or a company has dipped yeah. doesn't mean you're right out to buy it. They're, Not right they're out, yeah. Often, if you're looking, like say, it's, use Canadian banks, most likely you're going to be fine, buy them lower. But... Uh, so that's probably not the best example because they are so they probably stable, are. but but just really. But uh, I'll say this: I always kind of take a breath and go, "Let's look at the actual reasons, what the repercussions, and then yeah, maybe an opportunity." But make and sure you're firm in that. Decision. I think that's the caveat in yeah. this unique situation. Mm. If the Dow is down, you know, 500 points or whatever, and the markets mm -hmm. are just broadly down, sure, take advantage by the dip. You know, oh, if there's just some general stuff, but this is a very particular yeah. case yeah. with potential tied ramifications yeah um whether they're tied or not it's the same you know it's the banking sector and there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out of it so in this case it's one of those where hey maybe you do have to take a week take a couple weeks and do your own and, research not just blindly buy and as we've seen by the charts we showed earlier you don't have to do anything today you know the the markets move in yeah. those cycles sometimes pretty quickly but a few days is not going to uh, change that it also does remind me of uh, when you know in 2007 2008 Things happened that people like were, where did this come from? We had no idea. And I'll bet you a lot of people, myself included, I mean, I've never looked at the Silicon Valley Bank as an mm -hmm. investment, but how sector focused they are and how the business was run, like, okay, it makes sense now, but a lot of people are just putting their money in. And so um, a really good lesson. It's easy to say yeah. in hindsight, funny story on yeah. that bank, just to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching uh, Daniel Pronk, you know, other YouTuber yeah. buddy. Uh, they did a live stream and, and they were reached out to um, by the Silicon Valley Bank. They're trying to solicit their money a year ago or so. Oh, well. Okay. Say, come bank, come bank with us offering these right, good rates. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tried with Max this morning. 
Max had meetings with the Silicon Valley Bank for Blossom. They wanted, they were pretty aggressively, that, yeah. they were pretty aggressively um, pursuing them. Pursuing, and really, it's just yeah. marketing. They're trying to grow their bank at sure. the end of the day. Uh, and luckily, Max as well said no. Um, yeah. But and this was, goes back to 2022 when things were a different landscape. But it's uh, it it's fascinating. But what what Daniel was saying in that other video was like the rates sounded too good to be true, and it sounded mm -hmm. a little bit. He had a bit of red flags, and it's easy to say in hindsight, looking yeah. back, oh well, this is all the mistakes. But in the moment, like you said, a lot of these times when there is a huge market crash. It's not till later that you realize, oh yeah, we were probably doing something something wrong. We, uh, we don't know until later. We like to kind of turn a blind eye yeah. to these awesome opportunities and not really do our, our due diligence properly on them. And, and and they do come back to bite us from time to time. So. But good on Daniel and Max yeah. as well for, yeah. for hinting that, hey, this doesn't this sounds a little too good to be true. There is some red flags opting not to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, in hindsight, it, it worked out well. To me, like it's funny. There's a lot going on in the news and there's a lot going on in the markets. Uh, it doesn't, f I'm, I'm unfazed. I've, yeah. You know, I've mentioned that before and, mm. and I'm unfazed because I understand, I understand how investing works over a long period of time. And I'm not expecting that every single year you post a positive return. Um, there are certainly months, years, and sometimes even, you know, back to back years or, or yeah. a, a real swell of periods where your, your portfolio performs in the red. And a, that could be from poor stock picks and I, I have my share of, you know, underperforming stocks. But it also has to do with just the the nature of being an investor. And mm -hmm. there are going to be years. I mean, we looked at it on a one-year number. What is it? The NASDAQ's down 26%. The S&P's down 17% on a one-year number. Um, that doesn't concern me that the portfolio is down because yeah. I know that over a long enough time, as long as I'm building it properly, as long as I'm consistently adding money to the right areas, the right stocks, I know that when I look over a 30-year time period, this is going to be a flash yeah. of red <laughs> yeah. relative to my other green years. And, and again... It's uh, nothing, not doing anything rash, not doing anything crazy. It's just, I always like to say, you take that really long-term approach, which I, I have the luxury of having. Um, it doesn't phase me. Just What that life. reminds me, what you just said, I'm going to try and put that into a nutshell, is everybody know yourself as an investor. Mm -hmm. Like what Brandon does is mm -hmm. not necessarily what you should do and what I do isn't what you should do, etc. Know who you are, have the battle plan. Yeah. Right. And really, I mean, literally have it written down where, you know, in times like this, here's my plan. Yeah. Right. And then of course you reassess as you get older. Uh, but that's, that's critical in times like this. So uh, I'm very, uh, I don't know if excited is the right word, but mm. I'm looking forward to the coming weeks and months because mm. like I say, there's going to be a lot of action out there, I, I believe. And um, for someone like you, who I feel very comfortable in this space, I, I'm more curious to see where it's going to go. Yeah. And then there'll be another time and you know, 10 years, you'll look back and go, oh, I remember that. Because to me now, I can't believe that the, the credit crisis was going on now more than 15 years. And I vividly remember those days. I hope we don't see that again right now for, you know, for a lot of reasons. But if we do, we do. Hey. We're, on, we're, we're on the boat, so hit the waves, I guess. You mentioned so many things throughout this video, Dad, like having a plan and, and literally having it written down, yeah, concrete, yeah. Yeah. Uh, an IPS. These are the types of things that we do with our students yeah. to make sure that during periods of times like this, well, hey, we have been prepared. Uh, we have been proactive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't stop the, the, the bleeding in the portfolios, but it, you handle yourself different as an investor when you understand yourself. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. you truly have a portfolio that uh, suits your, your needs and goals as an investor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just one of the many things you would learn uh, at the Investing Academy. There's a link down below, as always, uh, to check it out. We have a variety of uh, programs on there, all included and for beginners, uh, more intermediate. 
everything like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff so yeah have a look uh we'd love to chat with you if that is the case if you're looking to join our our community there that is that uh first link down below but as always i think we can wrap up i think so it's been a joy thank you uh brandon for having me here you're welcome city and i guess we will see you in the next video